Good morning. So good to be in church on this beautiful Sunday that the Lord has blessed us with. I uh, am grateful for another wonderful day. And not just a wonderful day, but a wonderful Sunday to have the opportunity to come into his house to assemble together in freedom and in unity and see what the Lord has to say for us. Let's uh, open up this Sunday school lesson this morning with prayer. I invite you to pray along with me. Dear Lord, we thank you for this opportunity to gather together in your name. I pray, Lord Jesus, that you would that you would bless our time here together. I pray, Lord, that you would open our mind to understanding, that you would open our heart to understanding, that you would help us, Lord, to see what your word has to say to us and help us to take your word and apply it to our life daily. In your magnificent name, Jesus, amen. Amen. Does anyone remember what we have been discussing in our Sunday school lessons of late? Anyone? The book of Acts. Sister Phillips is right on top of it. Amen. We've been talking about the book of Acts, and that's where we're going to go to today. I invite you to turn with me to the book of Acts, the sixth chapter, and that's where we will begin. If you remember last couple of Sundays, we went through uh, the fifth chapter of Acts talking about uh, Ananias and Sapphira, and uh, you kind of see up to this point some persecution that had been taking place against the church, and more so than that, you what we've studied thus far through the book of Acts as we've taken a look at the start of the church and the initial outpouring of the Holy Ghost, what took place uh, on the day of Pentecost, and you see this uh, incredible unity that has gone forth in the church. You see this spirit of unity and, and how the church is operating and moving in unity, and they all uh, appear to have one purpose and, and one mind, and that is the spreading of the gospel of Jesus Christ. You find that, that that is what their mission is, that is what they are attempting to do, is to go into all of the world and, and preach and teach about Jesus Christ. And you see that they are uh, in unity and preaching uh, repentance and baptism in the name of Jesus and the infilling of the Holy Ghost. And, and it's incredible to see this spirit of unity that, that is working within the early church. And it's something that, that, that every church, every believer ought to purpose in their heart to, to work in unity with their fellow laborers. You know, sometimes we don't picture ourselves or view ourselves as a laborer, but every one of us are a laborer in the kingdom of God. We have all been called to be a witness uh, to Jesus and his word and the gospel of Jesus Christ. We have all been called to be laborers, and it's important for each and every one of us to keep that spirit of unity. We're, we're, we are all human. And we all live and walk in, in flesh. And we have to keep that flesh every day. It's a 
challenge. We have to keep that flesh in submission and try to keep it uh, submitted to the spirit. And it's a challenge. And with that said, it can be a challenge to keep this spirit of unity stirred up within us and within the, the church as a whole and within the church uh, individually, this church, this local congregation. But it's important for us to have unity. And we see this, this display of unity throughout uh, the early church. But when we get to Acts, the sixth chapter, this is where we find the first hint of trouble that comes to the church. So I'm going to invite someone, any volunteer that would like to read Acts the 6th chapter in verse number 1. Anyone want to read Acts 6 and 1 for me? So you see that the Bible here records that there arose a murmuring of the Grecians against the Hebrews. So simply, you had two uh, sects of Greeks, or excuse me, Hebrews, if you will, Jews. You had those that were Greek-speaking Jews, and you had those that were non-Greek-speaking Jews, and those were the ones that, that dwelled in Jerusalem. And so you have these two groups within the church that begin to have a little bit of, of issue here. So picture in your mind that the church has gone from zero miles per hour to 60 in about 2.2 seconds. I mean, the church is exploding every day. The Bible says daily they added. Daily there was added to the church. So there were people that were being baptized, they were repenting, they were receiving the Holy Ghost, they were being added to the church. And so the, the church has exploded. And so you find here now that the apostles are faced with the task of caring for twenty or 30,000 constituents. Some scholars and theologians believe that's the number that the church had grown to at this point. And so the church had grown so fast that the apostles were unable to keep up with the demands that were placed on them. So picture yourself that you may be responsible for two or three people in your life. Maybe you feel like you're responsible for your spouse or for your children. If you back up a little bit, maybe uh, if you're a school teacher, you feel like you're responsible for yourself and 15 children. Or maybe if you're a minister, uh, you feel like that you're responsible for yourself, for your family, and those that are in your church congregations so most of us are not responsible for more than just a handful of people but now you have the apostles that are trying to uh, attend to the needs of thousands of people uh, so you go from uh, you know having to try to minister to and meet the daily uh, needs of uh, a few individuals to now you're having to oversee thousands of people and can you imagine how challenging that was? And so all the while this is going on, you're trying to keep the, the mission, which is the spreading of the gospel, you're trying to keep that on the forefront. 
And you're trying to make sure that that is the most important thing. But as human beings, we all have needs, right? And so uh, you find that, that no doubt that, that these widows who were a part of the church, they had needs. They had needs. And you've got to, to think about this, that these were people who had grown up under the law. And so when you read and you study the law in the Old Testament, you find that there were specifics in the way that uh, the community was to act and live. There were certain uh, rules and regulations, and it dictated the way that they were to live their daily life. And part of that was ministering to the needs of uh, the poor, the widow, the fatherless, and so that was still very much a part of the, their culture. And so you find that, that there is a little bit of an issue here. And so this first part uh, of Acts uh, 1 and 8 through 9, you go there and you find that it has, has been met. That here uh, Jerusalem has been filled with the doctrine of the apostles. It, it is here that the outpouring of the Holy Ghost has taken place. This was that first need that needed to be met, right? It was a spiritual need. It was the outpouring of the Holy Ghost. That was that, that first need that needed to take place. And so growth was taking place. Growth was happening. And we know from our own life, that growth is an exciting thing that happens, right? There's a lot of excitement that takes place with growth. You get an opportunity in your career, right? Career advancement, you experience growth. That's a very exciting uh, thing that takes place. Your, your family grows, right, with children and grandchildren. That's an exciting thing. The church grows. New converts come in. New families move in. That's a very exciting thing thing that takes place. Growth is exciting. And that's what we're seeing here in the book of Acts of what we've seen thus far is that growth has taken place and is very exciting. But you can rest assured that there is always opposition. There is always an enemy that, at work. The devil is always working. And so now we see that the devil through persecution, physical harm, physical persecution, could not stop the spreading of the gospel of Jesus Christ. The, the apostles had been persecuted, both physically and with word, verbally. So there was physical assault and there was verbal assault that had taken place. But it had not slowed the spread of the gospel. It had not stamped out the gospel. And so the enemy... As clever as he is, he begins to, to work himself through people, right? Through people. And we see that he began to work, as we talked about a couple weeks ago, through Ananias and Sapphira. There was lying and there was deceit. But judgment fell upon them and that was stamped out. And so now, if the enemy can begin to work through individuals and cause friction intention and divisiveness maybe that can stop the spread of the gospel and so that is the challenge with us as humans trying to maintain this spirit of unity within the church is that there's an enemy that's always going to try to sow seeds of discord he's always going to try to find someone that is weak weak-minded weak in the spirit 
and use them if they can as a tool, as an instrument to try to divide and spread division. Because division, right, if this foundation right here was to split wide open, this building would no longer be standing. If there was a great earthquake that took place and divided this foundation, this building would not be able to stand. And so the foundation of the church has to be built with unity, right? The, the foundation, the concrete, it has to stay together. You and I are the church. We are that, that foundation, if you will. We, we are what has to make sure and ensure that there is a spirit of unity. And so when the enemy comes and tries to, to sow seeds of discord, we have to make sure that we are not entertainers of that. And it's a challenge that every one of us can be faced with, right? And so we want to keep that spirit of unity alive. And so we see in Acts 6 and 1, as, this, as Brother Phillips read, and in those days when the number of the disciples was multiplied, there arose a murmuring of the Grecians against the Hebrews because their widows were neglected in the daily operation of the church, if you will. So there are some details in this passage that give some insight as to the problem that had developed. There was a murmuring that arose between the Grecians and the Hebrews. This could be more accurately stated that there was a division between the Hellenistic Jews who were from Greece and the Palestinian Jews. So you had two different types of Jews. You had those that dwelled and lived and and. and within Jerusalem and then you had those that were without and so you can imagine those that that spoke uh, Greek and those that did not that there was a language barrier between the two groups because one spoke Greek and the other spoke Aramaic and so it could have been that it was a complicated situation if you will you imagine that the differences between people there's differences uh, in culture, there's differences. Uh, even here, and you could you could draw a circle, a ten mile radius from around this church, and you're going to meet different people from different places, different walks of life, different cultures. They're going to have different thoughts and different opinions. And even within this local congregation, we have different cultures. We have different types of people that have. Uh, different experiences in life, and so it can become kind of complicated. So these Jews here in Acts 6 and 1 that were having this bit of issue, that was where they found themselves at. And so the Bible here uses this word murmuring, and it's useful for us to look at this word in a little bit deeper meaning to help shed some light as to what was going on. So when you look at this Greek word here for murmuring, it means that there was a secret debate that was going on behind the scenes. One lexicon expresses that it was a secret displeasure that was not openly avowed. And it's the very same word that's used in 1 Peter 4 9 when it declares that we are not to be given to holding a grudge. So a grudge is something that oftentimes is held from within. And so they're having this issue here, and it's um, this murmuring. It was something that was kind of taken place maybe behind closed doors or, or secret. It wasn't necessarily something that was being blasted in the, in the walls or, uh, excuse me, in the hallways of the church, if you will. It was something that was kind of... Um, an undercurrent, something that maybe wasn't easily seen. 
And so when we look at this word as an explanation, it was most likely that the Jewish widows were not necessarily receiving preferential treatment, but it was a breakdown in the organization and administration of the distributions of goods that were to be given to these widows. And so the apostles, being the wise men that they were, they realized that if it wasn't dealt with quickly, it would occupy them so that the work of the Lord would come to a grinding halt because that's what the apostles were consumed with. They were consumed with the work of the Lord and trying to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so you have this little issue that arises. And the apostles, being the wise men that they were, they realized that if we do not put a stop to this, it can become a cancer. It can become something that that can uh, hinder of what we're trying to do and cause the work of God to come to an, a grinding halt. So we go to Acts 6 and 2. Does someone want to read Acts 6, 2 through 4 for me? Awesome. So we have this issue that comes up in Acts 6 and 1, and then we see that the apostles, being wise to the situation, they, they begin to try to uh, fix this. And so you see that the twelve called the multitude of the disciples unto them and said, It is not reason that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. Uh, that seems kind of arrogant, doesn't it? Just at first glance. When you read that and they're like, ah, you know, I'm too good to go serve tables. You know, I'm not going to uh, lower myself to that to that task because I am the preacher, right? But it, it it's not at all what they the attitude or the spirit behind what they were saying was. But what we've got to understand is each and every one of us as a believer... As a part of the church, we all have giftings and talents and the thing and things that the Lord would like to use us for around the church and to keep the church moving forward, every one of us. I can tell you right now that there are certain things that I am not very good at, that my personality and the way that I have been created just does not lend itself to certain things. Music is one of them. I tell people all the time, I do not pay much attention to the songs that are, are sang before uh, I get up to teach or preach. I just My mind is not there. I can't tell you what songs we sang Wednesday night or last Sunday. It's just who I am. I don't think about that thing. But there are other people who music is their talent. It's their gifting. It's what they God has called them to do to to. to sing and to play and they can tell you every song that was sang two months ago they can tell you what was uh sang wednesday night sunday and the previous 33 sundays i'm just not that person so we all have giftings and talents and so what the apostles here are saying is that that look this is going to become a distraction to us and what we're trying to do this is going to become a hindrance to what we are trying to do god has set us on a particular course and we've got to stay in that course and if we get distracted by every little thing that comes up it's going to hinder us from what God is going 
and trying to do. And we find that even in the local church. You know, uh, if we're not careful, I don't think anybody here on, on, in this Sunday school class is like this, but in your walk with God, and, and, and you've probably known and met people that they think that everything is the pastor's responsibility. Well, if that's going to get uh, taken care of, that's the pastor's responsibility. If that's going to take place, that's the pastor's responsibility. And if we're not careful, we can have that same attitude where we are taking all the responsibility of the church, all the responsibility of the kingdom of God, and we're shoveling it on the shoulders of the pastor. And we see in Scripture that that is not the way that it is supposed to be. Even the apostles saw this. And so they said it's not for us to leave the, the responsibility of what God has called us to do to go serve tables. So what do they say in verse number 3? They say, Brethren, look you out among you seven men of honest report, full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom, who you may appoint over this business. But we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. So I've known people, I've met people, none of you, everyone in Sunday school this morning is perfect and upright and you have everything together and you've never made mistakes in your life. I understand that. But I have known people who have gotten offended when the pastor has asked them to do something around the church. They have. But you see here in Scripture that these people did not get offended when the apostles said, hey, look, we want to find some individuals, right, that we can plug into particular places within the church because they have that talent. They have that gifting. They have the means and the ability to do that. And it's going to help the church as a whole to move forward because we have a particular task that God has called us to do. And in this case, they're the, the headship. They're, they're the leaders within the church. So they're, they're saying that we, we don't want to leave the ministry of the word. We don't want to leave what God has called us and petitioned us to do. So we're going to find individuals and we're going to plug them in to do this particular task. To do this particular task. So every one of us... In our life, we have that same opportunity where we can find what are our strengths. What is it that we can do? Sister Veronica is very strong in greeting people. In, in, uh, I, it's against my personality. I'm not going to be the person that's going to go into the hallway and say, Hey, church is starting. I just, I, I don't do that. But we need somebody that does that because sometimes we get distracted, right? We get distracted, we're, we're catching up, we're, we're eating donuts and drinking coffee and we're having a good time fellowshipping and so we lose track of time. And so we need an individual that is their strong suit to go say, hey, we need everybody to come into the sanctuary. And I'm using that as a silly example, but you get what I'm saying. And so that is Sister Veronica's strong suit so it's very easy for me to say hey look you know I, I can't leave what I'm doing I'm in my office right studying for Sunday school and I can't be distracted by trying to get everyone in on time into the sanctuary so Sunday school can start and that's essentially what the apostles were saying like hey we can't leave this but we're going to find people to do that but let's just say that nobody 
was doing that. Let's just say that nobody was doing that. And every Sunday morning, myself or Brother BJ were studying for Sunday school, and we had to set a reminder on our phone, on our smartphone, that would begin to ding at 9.59, like, hey, you've got to go wrangle everyone up, right? That's one more thing that we would have to do. Well, it's a little bit more beneficial to the church as a whole if we go find someone and say, you know what, I think Sister Veronica would be very good at performing that task. And we went and said, hey, Sister Veronica, we think this is a strong suit of yours. Are you willing to sound the alarm, blow the whistle, ring the bell at six at, at, at uh, 9.59 to try to get everyone into the sanctuary? Well, she could have one of two approaches. She could one, either get offended. I can't believe that they would ask me to do something at church. I'm here to sit on the pew and soak in everything I could get. Or she could have the response that she's had. I would absolutely love to do that. I would absolutely be honored and love to do that. And every one of us has that opportunity. Some, their, their gifting may be fundraising. I'm not, I'm not, I, I don't think that my strong suit is very good at fundraising, but there may be someone that's very good at fundraising. And the, the pastor may step in and say, hey, do you think that you would be willing to raise $1,000 for us to give to X, Y, Z? Well, we can respond in one of two ways. I absolutely would love to do that. Or we could get offended and we could say, bless God, he's asked me to do something else. Doesn't he know how stressed out I am, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Well, we don't find that happening here in the, in the book of Acts. But what we do see is that there's needs that arise within the church and the apostles were wise enough to say, hey, look, we can't do everything, but we, we do need someone to help us with this. Uh, some of you Bible scholars can help me with this, but wasn't it Moses' father-in-law that came and ministered to him and said, hey, look, you can't do everything. You're going to have to find someone to help you. And Moses went and found someone to help him. Because we all need help, right? My wife tells me, hey, I need help around the house, you know, because she can't do everything. All the cooking, all of the cleaning, uh, and more cleaning, and more cooking, and even more cooking, and more cleaning. She can't do all of that by herself, right? So sometimes ladies have to remind the men in their life that, hey, I need a little help with this, right? And so we all need help. And so we see that this is important to keep it going. Ephesians 4, 11 through 15 says that he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and some teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. And we find that Jesus talked about being the hands and the feet and being a part of the body, right? So we are all, there's different, there's different uh, giftings, different talents, different callings. And so we can all ask ourselves, what is it that I'm strong at doing? What is it that I can do to help the local church, to help the church move forward? Because I don't want to just have this expectation that it's pastor's responsibility to cut the grass, to trim the bushes, to pressure wash the, uh, the awning, to vacuum the sanctuary, to... Uh, make coffee in the coffee room, to get donuts, to set up the chairs and the tables in the back, to also preach, to also answer my phone calls when I need some counseling, to also come see me at the hospital, to also check on my kids. You get what I'm saying? There's a lot of things that have to take place, and every one of us can play a small but yet significant role in keeping the local church going 
forward. And so what did the apostles say? We will give ourselves continually. We will give ourselves continually to what God has called us to do. And that is the ministering of the word. The praying and ministering the word. And then they also said that we will give ourselves continually, but give ourselves continually to what? To prayer and ministry of the word. To prayer and ministry of the word. I'm thankful for our pastor. I'm thankful for our pastor. I'm thankful for his dedication and his devotion to the things of God, to the ministry that God has called him to in the ministry of this local church to this local church amen will somebody help me read Acts 6 5 through 7 Acts 6 5 through 7 anybody want to read that for me how about you brother BJ Man, one thing that stands out to me here is in verse number five. So we have this issue that arises in the church. The leaders of the church step forward and they say, hey, look, this can be a distraction to what we're trying to do. If it's not addressed, it can cause disunity and slow down what we are attempting to do. And so they come up with this idea and they, they say, hey, why don't you go find you some individuals and, and appoint them over this matter. Give them this task to do. And what does verse number 5 say? And the saying pleased the whole multitude. So everyone that was there, all the church members that were there, it, the Bible says that it pleased them. They, it, it, it was sufficient to them. They, they were happy with this response. Rather than being angry and bitter, well, they're just trying to put their work on someone else. They're just trying to give their responsibility to someone else. You know, isn't that what they get paid to do? Isn't that what their their office is supposed to do? No, this saying pleased them. That that hey, we we want you to to not be distracted and not be bogged down or weighted down by this concern. So that absolutely that is an acceptable way for us to dress this. So it's in this moment that we can see a moment of spiritual enlightenment, enlightenment providing practical wisdom about how to go about, in this case, taking care of neglected widows. And so we find that there are seven men who are going to be selected by the church to take care of this need. And while it was a physical necessity to be met, it is also clear that the apostles desired for spiritual men to be involved. So it is noted that there are spiritual requirements to be met while ministering physical needs. So it's good for us to find spiritual people to plug in to certain places within the church where there are certain needs that need to be met. And so the Bible says that these men were to be of an honest report. They were to be an honest report. They were to be men that were filled with the Holy Spirit. 
Ghost. They were going to be effective in what they were trying to do. So I think that it's very important for us to understand that the apostles here are trying to set up order within the church for everything to be done decently and in order. And so we use this as an example for our own church here today, even our, our local congregation here at Spring Ridge, that it is great for us to do things decently and in order. You think about our church services. We want everything to be decent and in order, right? What if we just took this approach that, hey, whoever shows up today, everybody gets to preach. Whoever shows up today, everybody gets to sing a special. Whoever shows up today, everybody gets to take up the offering. Hey, whoever shows up today, I'd probably create a little bit of a chaos. Are you preaching today? Are you preaching today? I thought you were preaching today. Well, no, I didn't think you were coming. Well, you said you weren't going to come, but I was expecting it would create a little bit of a chaos. And so it's good for everything to be done decently and in order. So it's, it's important for us to have order and structure and organization within the church. And so we see this here in Acts, the sixth chapter, where the apostles are are setting up organization and order within the church because you want everything to work together properly, right? When you put that key in the ignition of your vehicle, many of us don't have ignitions anymore, but when you put that key fob inside of your car and you press that start button or you turn that key over, what do you want to happen? You want the car to start up. When you... Take that, uh, when you shift it into reverse or into drive, depending on how you park, you want that vehicle to go backwards or forwards. You want the vehicle to begin to move. You want the, the belts and the pulleys to work. You want the wheels to turn. If you want to listen to the radio, you want to hit the button on the radio and you want music to start playing or talk radio whatever you prefer. But you want these things to work decently and in order. And when something doesn't work right, when the battery is dead, you run out of gas, you have a flat tire, when something is, is out of sorts, amen, it delays, it hinders, it slows down, it opposes, it prevents. And so that's why it's good that every part is where it needs to be at, working the way that it should work, and everything works together. And that's the way it is in the church. So we know that there's needs, there's situations that are going to arise. And those needs, no, undoubtedly, will need to be met. And while those needs are being attempted to be met, those situations are being attempted to be met, it's incumbent upon us that we keep that spirit of unity and understand, right? And so we also need to understand that it's not the pastor's responsibility, the preacher's responsibility to meet every single need, but every one of us are called to be a part of the church, a part of the kingdom of God, a functioning member of the church. God has called us to do that. And I'm thankful, I'm grateful that I have the opportunity to be a part of the church, to be a functioning and valuable member of the kingdom of God, both abroad and here locally. I'm thankful for that opportunity. Stand with me this morning. And so this lead, we're going to, to end today 
where they called these men together. And so next week we'll pick up at the character of Stephen because he's one of these men that was chosen to be a uh, minister ministering to these needs, and he plays a vital part in the church. And so we're going to look at him a little bit deeper next week. But aren't you thankful this morning that God has given you an opportunity to be a part of the kingdom of God, that he called you and you yielded to that call? And I'm thankful this morning for every one of you, every one of you that give of your time and your efforts and your abilities, your talents to the kingdom of God. Because every one of you play a valuable role in the kingdom of God, both abroad, collectively, the kingdom of God, and here individually in this church. And I'm thankful for that. Mighty God, we thank you for this local church. We thank you for the blessings that you have given to each and every one of us. We thank you for the opportunities that you have given to us. To, to do a work, Lord, for your kingdom, to reach and to touch lives, Lord. I pray, God, that you would help a spirit of unity to dwell within us in every home, in every family, Lord, and in our church. And I pray, God, that you would help us to give to your kingdom, to give of our time and our talents and our abilities, Lord, as you have given to us in your mighty 